Hey, Cadaver Pups, it's Devin Shepard here with David B. Jacobs and our special guest today, AJ from Destination 180 Podcast. We're going to be talking about our favorite horror movie performances, top three, hardest thing we've ever had to narrow down, I think, on this podcast so far. <laughs> uh, AJ, we're so excited to have you join us today. Hey, y'all. I am so excited to be here. I was very happy when you guys reached out. I couldn't believe it. Anytime anybody reaches out to us, I'm like, you guys listen to us? Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for coming on. We love your show. Um, we love you both. And we're so excited to, to join forces on this one. Yeah. So we don't have John May here today, but she wishes us a good show, you know, <laughs> floating around in spirit. She's texting me now. So <laughs> <laughs> always there. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Sure, of course. Um, I, I think I started listening to horror podcasts about maybe 2019 I think was when I got into it first I was just a straight YouTube person like putting mm -hmm. things on YouTube watching other people on YouTube that was just me and then I realized like well I can't just walk around staring at a screen I need something a little more accessible <laughs> so that's when the podcast came into play and as I was listening to them I would be having full conversations with the podcasters from my seat like this and I was like, well, you know what? I feel like I can do this as well. I can provide a different perspective because there will be sometimes um, when it comes to people of color, some podcasts would be like, well, I don't understand why they did this or why would they do this? And I was like, well, I mean, there's a reason that you don't get it because, <laughs> you know, it's not for you, but that's okay. And if we have more people in that wheelhouse that can provide that um, insight or just, you know, give little quirky jokes about a horror movie, about its bad CGI or something like that. <laughs> there we go. Here I am. So um, with Final Destination being one of my top favorite franchises, it was a no-brainer. I used to work at a radio station, and one of the places that we would sponsor was called Latitude 360. And when I was coming up with the name, that kept sticking to my head. So I was like, oh, Destination 180, boom, there we go. <laughs> Didn't want to do it by myself. John A is my friend that always goes out with me for Halloween. So I just assumed that she liked horror movies. I was like, John A, I don't <laughs> want to do this by myself. Come do it with me. She's like, sure. She's such a good friend. I had no idea she wasn't even into horror movies. Like she likes your slashers. Like, you know, your regulars, Freddie, Jason, Michael. Mm -hmm. Everything else she hadn't seen. And a lot of the things we were doing that very first month of the show, she would just, you know, be sitting in our studio and she would just be quiet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's when I realized we talked about it. And she was like, well, it's not that I don't want to do it. I just hadn't seen a lot of these movies. So, you know, I just don't want to say anything I don't know about. And that's when we decided to reformat the show to me, introducing my friend to horror movies. And here we are taking each other on rides every week. <laughs> Just either we're trash talking a movie or we're loving on it, or it might be both knowing us because we're shady. <laughs> and that's how it goes. It's always so much fun, but you've Thank been a horror you. fan your whole yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't, I, I still, when I tell people the story, I'm like, just don't judge my mom. Cause I don't think like she meant it. Or I mean, I really don't think she think I was paying attention. I saw Halloween when I was five. I just remember as my mom and my older brother, my older brother is 19 years older than me. So I'm pretty sure they thought like I was going to go to sleep. I wasn't any good for the next week. I, cause I, 
I'm from Indiana. Michael's in Haddonfield. I'm right. like, that's next door. <laughs> and then you get like all of the slashers, like Chucky. <laughs> well, he's not from Chicago, but he's the Lakeshore Strangler. Then you got Freddie. I'm like, why are all of y'all here in the Midwest? <laughs> and then why got, are they all in the Midwest? Yes. I'm yeah, just like, what? Um, you know, I mean, Jason is in New Jersey and Chucky's originally from New Jersey, but everybody else. Even like Sam Trick or Treat, they're in Ohio. I'm like, why are y'all all here? And why are y'all terrorizing <laughs> me like this? But for some reason, I just started getting into it. They were more intriguing to me than regular movies. And I tell people this all the time as well. I don't know if you guys remember when Comcast had that super huge remote that had the demand button on the top. Oh yeah. I used to sneak and go on demand and watch all the scary movies that they had for free. So that's how I kind of got myself into it. Yeah, I love that. That's kind of like uh, going to the back of the video store, but just on your remote, you yeah. know, finding those dark films that you can mm-hmm. watch. And that was another thing. And I know a lot of people can relate to this. Like I said, my oldest brother is, well, he's my only brother, but he's 19 years older than me. Then the rest of my sisters were all born in the 80s and late 70s. So I was definitely in family video in Blockbuster, just walking down the horror section, looking at the cover art and just like, wow what is this movie about? There's a man in a Santa Claus suit with his arm hanging out the chimney. Wow, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> always the coolest covers. Yeah, and they always have the best covers. So I was just like, oh, what is this? What is this? And sometimes my sisters would buy them. I They would think I was asleep. I wasn't. I'm trying to sneak and watch it too. And I would scare myself. I'm okay now, but... <laughs> in recovery still yeah you know some I'm like some things yes some things yes I'm just like oh no we're not doing that again like Jumanji that's not a horror movie but to me it's a horror movie no nope, so feel movie. you yeah no so I'm not watching you. that ever again not even all the remakes I don't care if Kevin Hart and The Rock is in it it's a horror movie I don't want to see it no Mm-mm. I'm kind of jealous of your experience actually because I actually got to horror uh a bit later in life when I was in the later years of college mm-hmm. um and I just, I, I'm, I'm so angry that I didn't get to watch all these horror movies while growing up that I had to watch them later. <laughs> I mean, but it's like a new discovery. Like Tom Savini says this, it's not that the movie is, oh, you just haven't seen it yet. We were, we were saying before we started recording that narrowing down our top three performances in horror movies has to be one of the hardest things we've ever done. I think there are so many, next time we have to go by decade because there are mm-hmm. way too many years oh, and way too many bad. films. But um, I'm 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 so excited to to hear what you guys have. I'm sure we're gonna go into like some really deep cuts here. Mm-hmm. Um, AJ, I'm gonna let you start with your number three. All right, continuing on what you said, the Libra in me had a tough time choosing three. My Libras out there, you know how it is when we have to choose. <laughs> so I said, all right, let's not do anyone that I would normally pick because mm. hopefully my cadaver dogs have my back and eventually we'll talk about them. But if we don't, it's okay. So my <laughs> number three, I decided to go with Betty Gabriel who plays um, Georgina and get out. She has to play a white woman trapped inside of black woman's body that still has herself in her body. And is able to perfectly <laughs> convey. Yes, like when you think about oh, it, you're just like, oh yeah. Oh my God. Like you have to play like a few characters inside of yourself while also repressing yourself inside of yourself. 
And the scene where she's talking to Chris in the bedroom, but when Georgina lets out that single tear, I like I can cry on contact, but I just can't let like just one drop out the eye. That's a whole different type. Of, and you feel it like, you know, there's a person in there trying to get out. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation oh. where you've been trying to like signal to your friend that you're in trouble and they're not picking it up. But her right. acting was very clear in that moment. So she had to go on the top three for me. It's so oh. incredible. It's so, mm-hmm. incredible. so beautiful. That that performance um, after we saw it get out, it, it's one that David definitely mentions. All her performance is, is incredible for all the reasons. I totally agree. All the reasons you said. I, I was telling Devin earlier that I, in mine I did a similar thing, and I also like tried to avoid anything that had uh, received an Oscar nomination, which didn't narrow anything down at all, unfortunately. Poor. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and boy. like also heard like that movie actually did get a lot of Oscar buzz and like no one was talking about her performance. Oh, and you I'm were like, so well, angry. I was so angry. <laughs> it's oh and it, she really I mean, she doesn't have that much in there. But what she does, what she does with the little that she has is so incredible. If mm-hmm. they can nominate Anthony Hopkins for what, five minutes, they right. can nominate Betty. Right. No, it's, it's I feel on, like it's a few other people. I feel like it's a few other people on this list. We're going to have the same conversation about because I just, the way you all do horror is disgusting. I don't like it. <laughs> also, fun fact that uh, no, 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 no scene that you were referencing um, in the script, there was only one no. See? Love it. She added a bunch. I think during her audition, she added a bunch more. And Jordan Peele was just like, okay, you're it. Yeah. See, mm. uh, David, what was your number three? If it wasn't Betty, I, I, I had money on Betty for you. I did consider Betty, um, but I, I wound up going uh, older school with all of my picks. So I, my most recent one was 20 years ago. Uh, number three, I was torn in so many different directions. I'm always like my one and two. I'm like this one, this one. The number three, I'm like, there's so many I want to throw in there. Oh, wow. But ultimately, I had to go with Anthony Perkins and Psycho. Mm, yeah, I agree. This was one of the first horror movies that I saw way back when in high school. And it's just, it's absolutely outstanding still. Um, I know Hitchcock's kind of a terrible person, but Anthony Perkins mm-hmm. is amazing. And he's, he's so subtle, like, when he needs to go over the top he can but every line is just so unassuming so innocent i fully did not expect him to actually be the villain the first time i watched the movie right i was actually taken off guard by the twist (laughs) i knew the twist originally watched it actually watched the movie because i never seen the movie i just you know a lot of people it's a lot of movies you just know what happens like carrie yeah we know what happens my poor right. girl but when it came to psycho knew the it or knew the twist saw the movie for the first time during quarantine my boyfriend and i sat there mouths on the ground on the <laughs> ground because same thing. Like I said, I knew what was going on, but I was watching it. I'm like, well, how did we get here? Because I'm not seeing the connection right now. Like, are we sure this is him? In the very last scene, when he's just sitting there wrapped in his little blanket and he just looks up over his eyebrows. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. It's so awesome. outstanding. Mm-hmm. Talk about the range of like subtleness to like 
I don't want to say over the top, but dr- like dramatization, you know, mm-hmm. like they, they go there in that film and he can play all the range. But to uh, David's point, even when he is going up and over the top, it's not too much. You know, some right. people can just yeah. really overdo it. He is, is literally in that sweet spot. Like I know I, I haven't seen the remake. I don't plan on watching it. Sorry, Vince Vaughn, <laughs> you've done better in other things, but that's the difference when it does come to things not to change the subject but when things are getting remade we don't want them to be carbon copies but still figure out what made your character you know tick what were the nuances that they really brought to the character if you're just gonna read the lines and just think oh I'm supposed to be a quote-unquote crazy person let me do this that's not gonna cut it so that's where Anthony Perkins set himself apart just for that character in general, like that's not gonna, I don't think anybody's gonna be able to recreate what he did. Right, totally. And I, I love that thing that you said about, you know, quote unquote crazy. Cause yeah, you really have to get to the heart of like, what do they believe? What is their reality? And his chosen reality for that character is oddly relatable. Like like the audience, you have to yeah. choose something that is like out of like out of the realm of reality currently, but one that is like accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. I agree. Devin, what was your number three? Okay. My number three, um, I'm going to say this one now. I'm pretty sure it's already on David. So I'm curious. Uh, I had to go back really, really far to whatever happened to baby Jane and go Ah. with Betty Davis. Ah. (laughs) Oh, is that your number one? No, no, no. Okay. Good. (laughs) Good, good. Okay. Good. Cause I was like, David's going to choose this one. Um, I, it's just, it's just, that movie has stuck with me as like, it's her performance that makes that movie a horror film. AJ, have you seen it? Yes, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I. It's, it's just, it's what makes it scary. It's this woman that is like, she is over the top, but there is something about, I mean, in, in terms of what we were saying too with Anthony Perkins, there is something about it that is believable almost, mm-hmm. or that you can see people getting to that point. And that's what makes it scary is that like, there are probably people out there who will become that or who we know are about that. And I and think the story itself says so much about fame, but it's really what, what she brings to the character. And I think it also says so much about um, growing up too, which is something that so many of us, you know, fear leaving behind our, our childhood or getting older, like her embodiment of childhood is so terrifying. So that was, that was number three. I had to go back, back that far. On top of that, I think the look of, her character in the movie overall also adds to that mm-hmm. unsettling factor. Like when mm-hmm. you just watch like different movements, like even with her eyes. I, mm, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I agree with you. Cause it's like, now I'm seeing her in my head now. And I'm just like, oh yeah, no, no, let's wipe it. <laughs> right, it stays with you, right? Yeah, like, no, wait a minute, never mind. Let's not go down that route, I'm good. Good oh, job. <laughs> it's just, it's such a great, I watched that one for the first time over quarantine and I was like, this movie is fucking beautiful and amazing. And I, I went in, I was like, it's so long. And I get to the end, I'm just, I, I didn't notice that it was that long. It flies by. She's fantastic in that movie. Oh, my God. Thank you for, for bringing that one in, Devin. <laughs> of course, always. <laughs> um, moving on to number two, AJ, who did you have as your second spot? All of my picks are pretty recent, except for one, they might be... Still pretty recent, but, you know, maybe a longer career than the others. 
But number two, I have Essie Davis from The Babadook, who plays the mom. Ooh. Yes. Yes. And that's why I was, like, I was trying to think really outside the box of people who I feel like don't get talked about. My number one might not be in that category. But as far as number two, Essie Davis, when I first watched The Babadook, I watched that when it first, did it come out on Netflix? Yeah. 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 That's why I was okay. like, I feel, yeah, it went straight to Netflix. I don't think it had like a theater moment but i saw it in theaters that's what i was like maybe maybe a festival i'm not sure like i can be fast to be corrected but i know i saw it on netflix when it first dropped and a lot of people talk about sam how annoying he is i just want to defend <laughs> sam he's not annoying he's just really good at playing an annoying kid which is what <laughs> you found annoying but as far as essie being a mom in a horror film goes so many ways you can either be the mom that something happens to them. You could be the mom that's trying to figure it all out. You could be the absent mom. There are so many layers to moms in horror movies. And I feel like with Essie Davis, um, if anyone hasn't seen this, uh, Bob Duke, I would, you know, suggest, you know, just moving ahead. Sorry about it. <laughs> but her character having to go through losing her husband on her way to the hospital to give birth to her son now has a constant reminder and is trying to figure out how to not really resent this kid the entire mm -hmm. time and just gets to a tipping point where she almost chicken chokes him and kills him. It's a lot. And you literally see the transformation, not a transformation just like with the costume and the makeup, but she makes it even more using her face. Like I can mm -hmm. visibly see that all this energy, the Babadook has just stole everything from her and I think her performance needs to be talked about because if I'm not mistaken I think that was her first big big role I think she had been in other things with the director but I think this was like her actual like first feature length if I'm not mistaken and again stand yeah. be corrected yeah mm -hmm. I think in terms of just like U.S. popularity maybe yeah but I agree that what she brings to that performance really makes you empathize so much with that character and it, it could be something tricky that you know I'm curious too, if it wasn't a female director, how that, how that would have gone down, but there is so much emotion there. Um, it brings, it brings this overall sadness to the, to the horror. I'm hoping to see her in more things. I don't know, like, you know how some people they're like, yeah, one and done. I'm good. I want to see her in more because the, the yeah. things that she was able to pull out of herself from the Duck, and it doesn't have to be anything on that line. I would want her to see do some. I would want to see her do something else to see if you know what the range is. What more can we do? But if she wants to do yeah. another Baba Duck type or even a Baba Duck two, I don't know where we're gonna go with the story. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm in for it. I'm down. For we'll it. be there for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah here. please, Essie, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> what was your number two, David? Uh, so my number two, this is the one that some people uh might get a little controversial about because not everyone thinks of it as a horror movie, but it is. I will absolutely say that this is a horror movie and that is Naomi Watts in Mulholland Drive. Oh, okay. Pulled it out, pulled it out. Out of all the horror movies <laughs> Naomi Watts was in, why did you choose Mulholland Drive? In some ways, it's a little bit more obvious, I feel like, than a lot of other performances and that it, it, it literally like comments on performing within the movie. Have you seen it, by the way, AJ? I haven't seen that one yet, but I'm really good at forgetting things that happen. So okay. proceed. It's also mm -hmm. such a strange movie that whatever, whenever you think you understand what's going on, you don't. 
So in the beginning right. of the movie, uh, Naomi Watts comes in. She presents herself as this like super over the top, doe eyed, gonna be an actress. And it's not a good performance, sort of. But that's also kind of the point. Mm-hmm. And then as it goes on, the scene where you really like start to understand what's going on with her, she has an audition. And first we see her reading these terrible lines with her friends and it's complete absurdity. There's no way to perform this well. It's ridiculous and goofy. Then she actually goes into the audition itself and they have her read with the man and they suddenly like just sort of change the blocking up on the fly. And it suddenly becomes just like enthused with this intimate energy and like, like, holy fuck, she's a good actor. (laughs) And you're so surprised that she can act. And then as the movie continues to unravel, she just becomes more and more committed, more and more subtle, more and more uh, depressed and and maddening. And you start to question what is real, what isn't real. It's, she goes through every range of performance type within this movie that you even get to a certain point realize like oh no she wasn't bad acting in the beginning that was the point right it's crazy you bring up naomi was she's not on my list but (laughs) i when i picked someone else on my list i had thought about the reasons why i picked them and i did get a little shady towards Naomi, but I haven't seen Mulholland Drive, so maybe that will change my <laughs> my perspective. But I was just like, well, I mean, I feel like, and I say this myself, so Naomi, if you ever hear this, I'm so sorry, but I don't, I mean it with love. I'm just like, she's a horror mom. Like every time I see her in a horror movie, she's playing someone's mama. And I'm like, it's the same. <laughs> like it's, oh, it's right. like, it's little, it's little tweaks. Like Rachel from The Ring is kind of different from the mom from Funny Games who is, it's another movie that she plays someone's mom and I can't think of it right now. But even though they're three different moms, they're still in the same bubble of that gen, that archetype of that mother. It's not like mm-hmm. she is trying to do anything crazy to her kid or it's not like she, or her family. Like, you know, it's not anything super out there, but now I want to see this one so I can see a little mm-hmm. bit more range. Not saying she doesn't have it, but when it comes to horror, I just always see her as a mom. I'm like, she's someone's mama. I feel That's like so she's true. been so underutilized since her since blowing up on this on the scene. Like she she should be getting way better roles than she's getting. Mm-hmm. I know it's so surprising. What and she just got announced in another horror remake, right? What where Good is night, she mommy? Going? That's what it is. A uh, mom, <laughs> another mom, <laughs> another mom. See, and we'll this see is, if that well, actually crazy happens. because <laughs> this will be the second remake that she's in that's adapted for america because she was in funny games third third because the ring oh the ring oh my goodness isn't that so crazy that right she's the mom of horror adaptations yes (laughs) well naomi you know get your bag hun i'm not mad at it i'm just telling you what i noticed that's all my number two i also tried to go a little bit out of the box and think about you know performances that stayed with me for a while and ones that might not get talked about a lot. Um, and I think some performances that people actually do talk about, but don't usually end up on these lists are the creature performances. So mm. um, I did not choose Doug Jones, surprisingly, even though I think most of his performances are incredible. Um, I chose Javier Botet from Mama. He does the body work for Mama and that, I mean, just 
everything he puts in that performance is just so beautiful and has stayed with me. I know that film gets so much slack, but there's so much people really hate on that film. But I think like the creature of mama is so creepy and so beautiful. I agree. I don't know why people, I get it. I'm okay. Let me not stunt for the people. <laughs> some CGI, I'm just like, ooh. But for some reason, Mama didn't bother me. And I don't know if it was just because I was like, well, I mean, what else were they going to do? I don't know. But I really like that movie. And I do agree with you. Some of the movements that they're able to convey with that character. Because, I mean, some contortionists are able to pull some things out, obviously, <laughs> that regular people cannot but also vice versa there are some things that other people that aren't contortionists can do that contortionists not, might not be able to do now where we mm -hmm. have here is the case of being in the middle I believe there's still a very human aspect to mama even though she's not human at all but at the same time there's something very off it's almost like Zelda from Pet Cemetery, and mm -hmm. I like it's something about the movement CGI aside Mama, I feel like just like you said, that's a very good performance. I don't know why people don't like that movie. I don't understand. Right? And I, I have I not think... seen Mama. Oh, it's great. Oh, well, I don't think I spoiled I anything. I don't think I. No, did. you haven't. Okay. Um, I don't think you have either. Uh, this the Del Toro produced, right? Yes, I just love it, and I I think what you were saying with the contortion, like yeah, there's some crazy movement there, but I think what Javier does in Mama too is he gives the character. Yes, it's not a human, but um, there's a story to her. There's emotion there. And we have, to, you know, he is a man playing a, a female mother. And it is, he does seem like he gives the performance a little caringness for how creepy it is and how villainous the, the character is. But also like, you can feel her love for the children through the performance, I think. And it's, it's a hard thing to really pull off. It is. I agree. So now I have to watch Mulholland Drive and you have to watch Mama. <laughs> Before we move on to number ones, uh, Rob did send his own top three. Um, so in third place, he put Tony Collette from Hereditary. Very nice. Mm -hmm. um, and I haven't seen either of his top two. In his number two, he put Lawrence R. Harvey from The Human Centipede 2. Ooh, I've seen it, but I will have to look to see who that is. But I've seen, I don't know why I put myself through that, but I did see it. <laughs> it is a very Rob choice, if I do say so myself. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> almost as Rob as his number one pick, which is the movie that he keeps telling me about. And he keeps asking why I haven't seen it. And I keep telling him that it's because uh, it's up to him to make me watch it. And that is Isabel Adjani in Possession. Um. I went past her name when I was looking at different performances and I haven't seen that movie, but that movie has been on my mind because I hear, I don't know, but I hear it's a breakup movie and I'm all about that. Not that I'm like heartbroken or anything, but I'm just into <laughs> it. I just want to know. <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm very curious about it. I, yeah, I'm like, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm worried that I'll hate it because Rob likes it, but We'll oh, <laughs> is that your relationship? Favorite. Do you usually hate things that he likes? Sometimes. It's okay. It's okay. I feel that way about John A sometimes. Like I'll be losing my mind over a movie and she's like, I was confused the whole time. I didn't like it and I didn't get it. Why do you like this? I'm like, oh. <laughs> it makes for a good rapport on the it cast. Does. Because it does. It's nice when mm -hmm. we disagree. Mm -hmm. I agree. But sometimes... 
she just goes for the dagger with me. <laughs> you should listen to uh, me ripping apart Antichrist. Oh my god! Oh my god! The movie that Rob and I love, and David was like, "No." <laughs> Okay, well, number one. Wow, we're here already. Uh, AJ, who is in your top spot? My number one. And I knew, I was like, one, somebody's going to say my number one. And Rob said my number one. It's Toni Collette. Because uh, why are we not talking about her? Uh, uh, why? Amazing. Why does she not have awards? We should be throwing trophies <laughs> at this woman's head. Like, and this why does is she the... not have nominations? What is up? She was nominated for the Sixth Sense. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Hey, that's a horror movie. Another mm-hmm. horror Oscar nom. And see, mm-hmm. and that's when I, earlier when we spoke about Naomi Watts, the shade I was throwing at Naomi wasn't meant for Tony, but that was the criticism because in The Ring, in Krampus, in Hereditary, Tony's playing three different moms in each movie. Right. Like in, in The, the ring. ring, not The Ring. Oh, thank you. Not The Ring. Um, <laughs> in The Sixth Sense. Thank you. Yep. So in The Sixth Sense, that's one type of mom. Then in Krampus, you have very Martha Stewart mom. That's just, you know, mm. she probably didn't have money growing up, but now her and her husband, they're living in a suburb. They have a little cute kids and all of that. And this is that. And then a hereditary. Oh, well, it's a lot. And I know a lot of people, they don't feel Ari Aster, but I'm like, what we're not going to do is act like Tony didn't do her thing. That scene right. at the dinner table alone, that could have been the short film. And I would gave her the award still, like just throughout that entire movie. I don't know what Ari Aster does to these women that he has them <laughs> screaming like that. <laughs> like in this one, it's not even just range. It's she flips between emotions and acting styles within a shot within a second it's like right no different expression new face quick spoil alert for those who haven't seen it you know just skip maybe like 15 30 so the scene (laughs) when um gabriel burns and payment little tinkerbell light just comes past her face and she's screaming and then just drops it that did it for me i was like no awards (laughs) get them you owe her should have won that Oscar, was not even nominated. I Same with the year after her was Lupita Nyong'o should have won. And wasn't mm-hmm. I agree. I, I will forever, forever sing Tony's praises anytime I see her. When she was in Knives Out. And oh, yeah. Fun. And I don't watch other movies. I only watch horror. Like every now and then, you'll catch me watching Clueless, Good Burger, some 90s movie. But anything <laughs> else, I'm not, no, I'm not. But if Tony's in, I'm going to watch. Uh, I'm curious if David has another weird one. David, what is your number one? I have no idea. You have some idea. So this is also like one of my favorite movies. And it's also a, a terrible evil man as a director. But I've got to give the credit where it's due to Mia Farrow in Rosemary's Baby. As soon as you said it, Uh, yeah, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, I know exactly what it is. (laughs) I agree. And it's so sad. I'll let you continue, but it's so sad. And because of people involved, it's like, I don't want to, I can't enjoy this the same way now. You know, it is sad that um, because of people behind the scenes, the uh, actors, actresses don't get to get the shine they deserve. But at the same time, I don't feel too bad. 
It's okay. Especially because Mia Farrow's entire career has been with all these terrible men. Yeah. It sucks. And that's mm-hmm. largely because Woody Allen more so uh, really gaslit her into like not doing other movies. It's kind of his fault that she didn't have a career outside of that. And it's very upsetting how much her life mirrors the character she plays in Rosemary's Baby. But forgetting about the sadness and just looking <laughs> at this amazing performance. In some ways, it's almost similar to Naomi Watts one, actually, that she starts the movie as this very ditzy character, although it's not nearly as over the top. But what's so interesting about it is that as it goes on, as her arc in the movie is like she's gaining her independence, she's asserting herself, but she never actually loses that demeanor. And I love that because it's, the problem isn't her. There's nothing wrong with her. It's all these men around her and women, actually just everyone everyone in the movie is terrible except for her. Um, <laughs> they're all just abusing her and gaslighting her and, and making her doubt herself, raping her. I mean, like it is terrible what's happening to her, but she is asserting herself. She's gaining her independence. And oh my God, just like, every her freaking eyes and how much they explode (laughs) is so great (laughs) it's so amazing and there's such a profound loneliness that is in that film as well that she portrays that like yes is so hard i think to pull off when you're surrounded by people for for a good portion of the movie but you still like see her being so alone it's a character that we really don't see on screen very often, especially right. on a lead role. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel like those type of characters, there's the they are the ones that get like the redeeming arc at the end. They end up sacrificing their self to help the main character. But in this case, we have her on Front Street. And the part when she is having the nightmare, this isn't a dream, this is real, her face. Because I felt, oh. I thought I was in a dream with her. Like, I'm like, yes, since we got to wake up, we got to get out of yeah. here. Freddie's coming in two seconds. If you want to stick <laughs> around for that, too, like, we got to go. Like, oh, and again, yeah. when they get the redeeming, when those characters get a redeeming arc, usually it's by them completely changing their personalities. Mm-hmm. And I love that she doesn't. No. <laughs> I still, okay, I do have an issue with this movie. Okay. And there's a lot of movies that do this. I am so mad. I never got to see inside that cradle. I just wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> Like things like that, like, well, see, it's not, I'm not really mad. So when I say that, guys, I'm just kidding. But I'm just like, I wanted more. I wanted to know. <laughs> and I love when movies do that to me. Like, um, I don't know, Hereditary, I think I was just ready to go when that ended. Oh my gosh. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, no, I gotta go read <laughs> something. Like we gotta go watch some cartoons and something. Cause that, oh gosh, I was like, I'm trying to think of another movie that left me wanting more. I can't think of one right now. But Rosemary's baby was one because I was just like, well, did she get out the room? Like, did she make it out? Did she just did, we, did she no, just take, care of, take care of the baby? Yeah, but I yeah. just wanted to know, like, did she take her baby and leave? Did they force her to stay in there? There's a I really interesting short film that I think was it was at a horror film festival recently. Um, I'll have to find out what it's called and put it in the show notes. But um, it. It, it tackles that exact thing of what happens later. And it's mm. based on- Is this on... the one that was in XX? Yes, that's what it is. 
Yes, it's an XX, which I think is on Netflix right now. It's the um, horror anthology directed by um, female directors. And it's the character of Rosemary and her son is grown up and is like, is he like a teenager at this point? And it's, I think he's starting to develop the the devil's powers and she's starting to realize what she's gotten herself into. It's interesting. It's an interesting thing to explore. Yes, I want to see that. But yeah, that's the thing about that movie. I know she takes care of the baby. I just wanted to know how the rest of the day went for her finding that. Yeah, I just I'm just so curious. I'm like, I just wanted to know. That's it. But it's all right. I imagine that she is going to probably just fully submit herself to the cult. And because it's the only way she can be close with her baby, she's she's probably going to wind up covering his crazy evil deeds when she's older. Right because she just doesn't she doesn't feel like she has any choice it's it's her baby again very relative of mia farrow's real life uh who was in that cradle i think it was woody allen uh a little <laughs> yeah but she did not defend woody allen at all no right. no, 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 no 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 she she got him away from her baby <laughs> <laughs> good for her uh, yeah my number one it was so hard i feel like this one will probably change a lot, but it's one that's been left with me um, for a little while. We actually just covered this movie for the podcast. Um, and I just thought the performance was so beautiful that I needed to put it on the list. Um, and that is Liv Ullman from Hour of the Wolf. Um, oh, I thought you were yeah. going to say Morphid Clark. <laughs> no, I, I, almost, I almost put Morphid Clark from uh, St. Maud on here. But I think Liv Ullman's performance was just so haunting have you seen this movie aj i haven't seen that one tell me more i'm looking it up now i'm like ooh, it's the it's 60s this, yeah it's ingmar bergman again another like head fuck movie recommendation mm-hmm. for you to watch i love it um, i like those those are my type but it's a woman who's essentially isolated on an island who's struggling in her marriage and it's just like how you how you're lonely in a relationship i guess her husband is there Mm-hmm. yeah and he's an artist and it's her struggling to like support him as an artist but also keep herself and her relationship alive and also you know just survive on this island practically alone um and it, it's just so beautiful and she like doesn't know the difference between reality and fantasy and i i think the audience a big point why the audience also doesn't realize what's real or what's not is because we're with her so much and we like want to believe everything that she believes that we can't so tell. she's a bit of an unreliable narrator here oh a yeah bit. yeah oh i'm looking at it now i'm like trying to ooh. now i don't know what order i'm gonna watch all these movies in my three <laughs> but no that definitely i love one thing about me I love confusion and chaos when it comes to my movies. If you know how to effectively wrap it up and make sense and blow my mind at the end. And I trust you guys. Nice. So um, yep. Hour of the Wolf is actually showing in a theater up the street from my house tonight at seven o'clock. And I'm trying Wait, to make what? sure like, yeah, go. that's what it says. That's so cool. I want to watch it on a big screen. Um, I will go. Nice. Let us know what you think. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that about wraps us up for our top three horror performances. Um, AJ, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. It was such a joy having you here. Can't wait to have you on again. Please shout out where the people can find you. 
Well, I want to say thank you for having me on the show. This was a very good conversation. I am happy because I was curious if I was going to know some of the picks you guys picked. I'm familiar with the actors and actresses, but hadn't seen the movies. So now I'm happy that I get to leave the cadaver dogs and take some recommendations back to the park for me and John A. But you can find us any of our social medias, IG, Twitter, TikTok, don't ask. We, we just went ahead and went for it. But they're all D180 podcast. Again, that's D180 podcast. And that's it. Awesome. It's such a good show. Really, everyone go listen, go subscribe, go watch. Um, you guys do amazing, amazing takes on all these horror films. Thank you. Thank you. Let me tell you something. It's really rough. <laughs> because sometimes we're just like, can we say that? Were we mean? No? Okay. Maybe not. Do it. Be mean. Yeah. And then that's the thing. Like, sometimes we're just like, no, just do it. Just do it. And then sometimes we're like, but what if like someone listens to the episode and then they're like, well, damn, they didn't like my movie. Mm. We actually work in film. So we're, I'm like always thinking about it. I'm like, hmm, what if this person like has the opportunity to offer me a job and then sees how I covered their movie and then... <laughs> Because they do that, especially when we hashtag on social media, they follow the hashtags for their movie because that happened with the dark and the wicked. They followed the hashtag. They saw that we did an episode on it and they commented on it. And I was like, well, John, they was talking shit. I wasn't. So just oh remember. <laughs> I'm with throwing her under the bus. I was so intrigued. Like, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the setting. I don't know if it was just because it was like literally at the top of quarantine and I was already losing it. So I was right with them. I don't know. That movie got me. I was just glued to the screen for that one. I loved it. Man. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a, this is how John A does so me. This is exactly how John A does me. I'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. She's like, mm. <laughs> judging. Mm. <laughs> well, if you're a filmmaker uh, whose film we have covered on the podcast and you have opinions about our opinions, um, or if you have a different top three best horror performance, did we miss any? Who uh, are honorable mentions? Who did we miss? Who, do, who is on your top? Please hit us up at CadaverDogsPod on Instagram and Twitter. And until next time, see you, folks. <laughs>